0: So how many of you did an NCAA uh, basketball bracket? How many of you did a bracket? Are you guys as good as, uh, are they as good as mine? Okay. I am in the top million in the CBS bracket competition. I just want you to know I'm right up there in the top million. 921,342 as of this morning. Okay, So, because I'm the president of Emerge, some people call me president. Because I've been a pastor for a lot of years, some people call me pastor, but no one calls me prophet. <laughs> one look at my bracket will make that very, very, very clear. Well, today, today God's put a message on my heart that's rather unique. In all of my years of preaching, dating back to just like just before the Civil War, when I started, when I started this this ministry journey. I've always preached expositorily through the through, uh, text of the Bible, through books of the Bible, always asking God for a passage. But earlier this week, God gave me one word. So. And that is the title of the message today. So. Maybe the shortest message title you've ever heard in your life. In the days when an ice cream sundae cost much less, Rudy, a 10-year-old boy, went into a hotel coffee shop and he sat at a table. So how much is an ice cream sundae, Rudy asked the waitress. 50 cents, she replied. He counted his coins slowly and carefully. Hmm, how much is a dish of plain ice cream, he inquired. 35 cents, she said, just a little bit impatiently. Again, Rudy counted his coins. Oh, I'll have the plain ice cream, he said. So she walked away, came back with the ice cream, put the bill on the table, and he, he enjoyed his ice cream. As he finished the ice cream, he paid the cashier and he left. And as the waitress was wiping down the table, she swallowed hard at what she saw. There, stacked neatly beside the empty dish, were two nickels and five pennies, a 42% tip. The boy could have afforded the chocolate sundae, but he took something less in order to bless the waitress. So the big idea of today's message is simply this, that God blesses us so that we can bless others. He intends that the blessings he gives us are shared with others. So if you have your copy of the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God, would you turn please to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and through the morning, we're going to look at three different passages of scriptures, each, each that has this word, so. Again, this was such an, an odd way for, for me to develop this message, because it, it's a very different than, than, what, than what I've done in the past. But I know that this is what God has for us this morning. This is the message. He has. I want to encourage you to have a pen or pencil in hand, piece of paper where you can you write down a note or two of what the Holy Spirit may say to you through this message. So Paul, in writing to the Corinthian church, a church that, that he loved, a church that he had invested considerable time in, church that he had planted, he writes them in his second letter and says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received of God. When our son was stillborn, God comforted us. I still remember the day we stood in the cemetery there in Athens, Ohio as a young couple with our hearts torn, our emotions in shambles because the little, the little boy we had been praying for for all those many months was born dead. And God comforted us. When I was 33, my father died my pastor. That day he was to leave for India. Our family had gone together and, and uh, given money to build a church in his honor in India. And he was going over there with my brother-in-law to dedicate that, that church building. And that morning, after having run his few miles and done his exercises and eaten breakfast, he had an aneurysm and mom came downstairs There he was on the floor. He was gone. Suitcase packed, his Bible and sermons all ready to preach in India were there. That was a very difficult and painful time for us. He was not only my dad, he was my pastor. He was my counselor. He had been there the very early years of my ministry and was always there with a word of encouragement and a prayer. Some of you have felt the pain of losing a parent whom you deeply, deeply loved. God comforted us. When my mom died in a flaming fire, not far from her Newcastle home, driving down the interstate, car caught on fire and mom was trapped in that car. And when she died, it was so unexpected as well. And again, God comforted us and my sister Marilyn and my brother Jim He comforts us. But his comfort of us is not the gold in itself. That's not just why. He he comforts us for our sake, but he also comforts us. He also comforts us so that we can be there to comfort others. You see, whatever God does for us and in us, he desires to do through us. See, we're not simply a recipient of God's grace but a participant and ultimately a conduit of his grace. See, if we live our lives simply to be recipients, if we live our lives simply simply to receive, then frankly, we lose much of the joy of life and we become like the Dead Sea in Israel. Dead because, because it has no outlet, dead because Water comes in, but no way to escape other than evaporate. And so we call it the Dead Sea. And so many of us, unfortunately, go through seasons in our lives where, we have, where we are just, we're just content to be recipients. And what God is calling us to do is not just to be a recipient of God's grace, but a participant of His grace and a conduit and a conduit of his grace as well. See, God, God helps us so that we can help others. He's not, he's not called us just to be on the receiving end with a cruise ship mentality. Now, I love cruises. Debbie and I have done a number of them in our lives, and they are fun. You get on board, you get, you get your room, and, boy, it's just, it's great after that. All the food you can eat, <laughs> and you can tell I've been on a few cruises, all the food you can eat, and, and, and just, it, it's all there. You get up at six o'clock in the morning and eat breakfast, and you can eat all day, and then you can go to a midnight buffet if you choose. I never made it quite that long at night, but just cruises is really, it's really great, but Unfortunately, the church is not designed by God to be a cruise ship. Actually, we're a battleship. And this, uh, this video explains it very, very well. See, God, God pours into us so that He can pour through us. He comforts us so we can comfort others. He helps us so that we can help others. The painful, the painful circumstances and situations that you have gone through and are going through. not only is God healing you for you, but He's healing you. For others. So that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that the same grace that God has extended to you, he will extend to others through you. So your pain isn't wasted. All that you have been through, all the terrible situations that you've suffered, all the, all the abuse, all of the, the disappointment, God, God is committed to, to using us to be a blessing others. Some of you have met my wife's mother, Audrey, a wonderful woman of God, a lady whose life has touched the lives of so, so many other people. She grew up in a very poor home in Lincoln Park, Michigan. Her dad was a compulsive gambler, and because of his gambling addiction, the family had very, very little money. He, he, he made good money. He was a union truck driver. And in those early days, in the, in the 30s and 40s, he made a very, very good living. But all of it was gone as he would, as he would spend the weekends at the, at the horse track there in Detroit. So consequently, Debbie's mom and her siblings lived a very impoverished life moving from place to place, from apartment to apartment, just trying to make ends meet. It was very, very tough for Audrey and for the Minnick family. But in the grace of God, they moved next door to the Farrell family. The Farrells owned a trucking company and eventually hired her father to to drive truck for them. But it was more than just giving him a, a job. They, they reached out to them and shared the love of Christ. They had an old Model A car, and they invited Audrey and her siblings and mom to attend church with them on Sunday morning. And those were long before the days of seatbelts or any regulations. She would literally sit on, the, on Mr. Farrell's lap as he was driving the Model A to church. They really didn't have any extra room in their car for, another, for their neighbor family, but they made room because they understood the word so. They understood that God helped them so they could help others. And so they reached out with God's love, took them to Sunday school, took them to Sunday night church, took them on Wednesday night. Every time the church doors were open, the Minnick family was in church because the Farrell family understood that they were on a battleship, not a cruise ship. They understood, they understood that this family needed Christ and that they, they, had, they could share Christ in a way that would, could change their lives. And it was during, during one of those Sunday school times when the Sunday school teacher, who also understood the word so, who could have rather been in a class with others, but chose to teach a class of children in order to pour into them the love of Christ, asked if there was anyone that would like Jesus to become their very best friend. And because the family moved around a lot, Audrey didn't have a lot of friends because just about the time she'd make friends, they would move to another school, another place. And she raised her hand that Sunday morning as an eight-year-old girl and said, I want Jesus to be my very best friend. Today, she's 82 years old. She and her husband had three children, my wife being the oldest. All of them are serving the Lord. All of them love Jesus all of all of her grandchildren loved Jesus and now and now the next generation is coming along as you heard a few moments ago but it all happened it happened because a family fought fought more of others than they did themselves they were willing to be inconvenienced they understood they understood that that it's not about being on a cruise ship and being entertained and about about having all of our needs met, that that what we're involved with in, in the kingdom of God is a battleship because people's lives are at stake. Their eternal souls are hanging in the balance. And God has given to us the privilege and the ministry of reconciliation so that we are able to share with others the good news of Jesus Christ in such a way that they too can come to know the Lord. How many of you in this room would lift your hand and say, I am a follower of Christ today because someone, a family member or a friend, shared the love of Jesus Christ with me? Would you lift your hand? Okay. Almost every one of us in this room, there are those who from time to, will, will tune into a television broadcast and they'll, they'll meet the Lord without any, having any, any, any um, prior understanding of, of the Lord. But but 80 to 85% of everybody who comes to Christ does so because somebody shared the love of Jesus with them. God helps us so we can help others. The The second truth that I want to unpack for a few moments is this, that God places us in strategic places so we can make a difference. This is very clearly shared in in, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, a familiar verse of Scripture for those of us who study God's Word. After all that had happened to to Jacob and his family, after all that had happened to Joseph, when when at the age of 17 his brothers decided to get rid of him, they were jealous of him because of the, the, the love that his father was showing him, And so they sold him for some silver and sent him off to Egypt, where he became a slave and then a prisoner. He went from the the pit to a prison and ended up in a palace as the prime minister of Egypt, second in command. And God used him in a remarkable way to provide food for his family during this extended season of famine and after his father after their father had passed away they were really concerned that he now was going to seek retribution that he would that he would get back at them for what they had done to him but he had long ago forgiven them and he said to them you intended to harm me you intended to harm me but God intended it for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. I love that because it tells me that, that God places us in strategic places in our workplace, at a, in a seat on an airplane, in a line in a grocery store, in a classroom, in a seminar. I'd like us to think that every place we go this coming week, God has us there strategically. That there is somebody there with whom we can share Christ's love. Perhaps with a smile. Perhaps with a word of encouragement. Perhaps with a conversation about God's love and grace. But every place we are, whether it's our workplace whether it's in school, whether we're traveling. This verse tells me that God places us in strategic places so we can make a difference. The key is, are we open to the leading of the Holy Spirit to how he might want to lead us in that moment? Thinking of the time when Debbie and I were pastoring in Athens, we planted the church right out of college. I was 22 years old. She was a few months younger. And as we started in the community, we knew nobody. We knocked on doors. We we tried to introdu- we introduced ourselves to a lot of people, and frankly, it was really, really difficult. We had no we had no relationships in town. We were brand new. And yet we knew God had called us there. <laughs> One of the first breakthroughs came when I had a car accident. i don't like car accidents, and thankfully i've not in any been in any really serious ones but But yeah, sometimes when i drive i tend I tend to try i tend to lose focus and i and you know I'm, I'm generally on a side street or something. And this particular day, I was in a, it, the snow had come down really, really hard, and I was working my way into the hospital to, to go visit someone at Oblenus Memorial Hospital there in Athens. And um, I wasn't paying attention, and I the car the car struck a small pole that was by the side of the road, causing a few hundred dollars worth of damage. So I had insurance, so I went to I went to the insurance company that next week. And, um, and I, shared, I shared with Jim Lindner, who was there. He was the, the representative, the adjuster. He took a look at my car and, and filled out all the appropriate paperwork. And then he said, so what are you doing here in town? And I said, I'm, I'm planting a church. He said, you're planting a what? <laughs> he, he said, we... we he said, we have a garden and, and we, plant, we plant flowers and we plant turnips and we plant tomatoes, but we've never planted a church. He had never heard, he was an unchurched person, he had never heard of anybody planting a church. And she so said, how do you plant a church? And I said, I don't know, I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> if I knew, we'd be doing better right now, Okay how do you plan a church so well you just you meet people and you share God's love with people and and you just you you invite them to have a relationship with a God who loves them and cares for them so much that there's nothing there's nothing bad they could do that would cause God to love them any worse there's nothing there's nothing good they could do that would cause God to love them any better I mean God just loves us and and he gave his son Jesus and so I just he opened the door right and he said, well, I'd never heard that before. I said, well, would you like to get together? We could talk some more. So we began to meet occasionally for lunch. Then I, found out, then I found out he had played for Woody Hayes on the Ohio State football team, and he was a season ticket holder, and I'd never been to a football game. And so I sort of hinted around, and he, he invited me to go to a football game with him. And all the way up, we talked about football. And all the way back, because they had lost to Michigan that day, we didn't talk about football. And he asked more questions about the Lord. He started coming to Sunday school, Sunday morning service. I'll never forget the day that I gave the altar call, and Jim Linder left his seat. There weren't 20 people in the church at that time. We were very, very small. He came forward, and I I met him at the altar, and he, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He asked Christ to be the leader of his life, to forgive him of his sin, and Jesus began to change Jim. Now, more than 30 years later, Jim and his family all love Jesus. The entire family loves Jesus. They've gone from being completely unchurched to now being, being saved, loving Christ, being filled with God's spirit, being a leader in the church. Because, because God places us in strategic places so we can make a difference. I want to encourage, I want to encourage us with this thought. As Christ followers, we are never off-duty. Okay? As Christ followers, we are never off-duty. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're never off-duty. Okay? We're never off-duty. See, be a fireman, be a policeman, you're on-duty, then you're off-duty. No matter what our job is, most of us have some time when we're not on-duty. But as Christ followers, we are never off duty because we never, ever know. We never know when God is going to bring somebody into our life for us to be a conduit of his grace, to be a bridge that will help them to walk across to find the love of Jesus Christ. I'm not happy that I had that car accident Cost me a few hundred dollars, but I'm very happy that God, in his own way, strategically placed me in front of Jim Lindner, a man who, up to that point, had no personal relationship with Christ, no church background. But today, he and his children and his grandchildren. Are all followers of Jesus Christ because God places us in strategic places so we can make a difference. Isn't that cool? And then thirdly, there's another so passage and it's 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and it's this, that God gives, gives to us so he can give through us. He gives money to us so we can, he can give it through us. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Every man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you so, so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound to every good work. And then go down to verse number 11. You will be made rich in every way so you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God gives money to us so he can give it through us. So, he gives it not only for our, to meet our needs but so that God can use us to help meet the needs of others. This is such a powerful principle because it lifts us from being selfish to selfless. It lifts us from it lifts us from thinking just about ourselves to be thinking about how can we help others? What can we do to invest in others so that their lives can be blessed? There's a legend of a man who was lost in the desert, dying of thirst he stumbled on until he came to an abandoned house. And outside that dilapidated, deserted shack, he, he, saw, he saw a water well. And he began to pump furiously, but no water came from that old, old rusty handle. And then he noticed a small jug with a cork on the top And there was a note written on the side of the the jug. You have to prime the pump with water. P.S. And please fill the jug again before you leave. He pulled the cork and saw that indeed the jug was full of water. Now he had a decision to make. He was dying of thirst. There's a jug of clear water, a clean water there. Should he pour that water down the pump to prime the pump? What if it didn't work and all the water was gone? If he drank the water, at least he could be sure that he would not die of thirst. But if he primed the pump with that water and it did work, then he'd have enough for himself and for others too. what would you have done? You're dying of thirst. The jug of water is there. There's no one else around that you can see. Would you drink the water? Or would you pour it down the pump to prime it so that more water will come out for you and those behind you? That's a pretty powerful question. He chose to follow the instructions on the jug. After pouring the entire jug of water down the rusty old pump and furiously pumping up and down, up and down, water gushed out. He drank until he, he could drink no more. And then he filled the jug again, corked it and added his own words beneath the instruction. He wrote, "Believe me, it really works." you have to give it all away before you can get anything back. Believe me, it really works. You have to give it all away before you get anything back. So, so how can we bless others? Especially with Easter just three weeks away. Our team has been thinking about this for the last few weeks and, and I'd like you if you would please to open your bulletin and pull out this this multicolored card that says Community Easter Egg Hunt, okay? If you don't have one of these cards, would you lift your hand and our ushers, Daryl and others, will, will see that you have one. Is there anyone that didn't get a bulletin when you came in? Okay, there are several. Okay, so if you would uh, if you just lift your hand and uh, these guys will serve you. Here's, here's the deal. We are going to do an outreach on Saturday before Easter, This is is for the children of our community. For them to come and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They're going to hear how God loves them, has a plan for their lives. They're going to hear the story of Christ in a very very intriguing and compelling way. And then we're going to have a a mammoth Easter egg hunt. 5,000 Easter eggs. 5,000. Okay. Many of you have already begun to invite your neighbors. I'm wondering if there's not a, I wonder if there's not a little girl like Audrey in your neighborhood. I'm wondering, wondering if there's not a family like the, like the Minnick family in your neighborhood. That you could say, hey, why don't you come? I'm gonna, we're doing a fun thing at church. Bring him to the Easter egg hunt where they'll have a ton of fun and learn a lot about Jesus Christ. In order to make this happen, we need all of us to participate. And here's what I'd like you to do this morning, for those of you that are part of the Celebration family and are going to be here on that Easter weekend. I'm going to invite you to join one of four teams. The greeting team, the egg team, now, I don't think you get to egg anybody. I don't think that's quite it. But you get to help fill all the eggs, make sure all the eggs are filled with the appropriate stuff, and then distribute them. The food team, that's helped to make the final preparations for, the, uh, for whatever, whatever the uh, healthy food is that they're serving the kids that day. Um, and then the cleanup, the cleanup team. Okay? And Rich has so graciously... Volunteered or been volunteered by his wife, the leader of this, to, to serve as the, to serve as the cleanup team leader. I want to invite you this morning to say, I will help with making this outreach possible. Why are we doing it? Because there are children and families who need to hear the love of Jesus Christ, and this is just one way. It's not all the way, but it's one way that we, that we can do, just as you've done in the past with Royal Family Kids Camp and, and as you've done when you, when you built the, the beautiful playground out here, ways to reach out into the community. just like you do when, you, when, we, when we have days we serve food to those that, that, that need food. Here is an opportunity for us to make a difference in the lives of children. Now, most of us, I was just thinking about this earlier, that that most of the Farrell family, in fact, mom and dad Farrell didn't live long enough to see the fruit of their their labor. They didn't live long enough to see Audrey and Art have three children and, and and then... all these grandchildren, now great-grandchildren who love Jesus. Today, the day that Audrey Clay's first great-grandson accepted Jesus, that was a pretty powerful day in our family. The Pharaohs didn't live long enough to see that, but they planted the seed. And that's what I'm asking us to do here as a church. Would you join Debbie and me we're going to be here. We're going to be probably on the cleanup team because I'm I'm not much good with food. I may be on the greeting and the and, and the cleanup team, but we're gonna we're gonna be here because we believe we believe in what God has called Celebration Church to do and to be to be a light in this neighborhood on North Hill. I'm going to invite you this morning to join with me in filling this out. And if you're able to help with Kids Church on Easter Sunday, we're going to have a lot, of, a lot more kids because we're going to be inviting them back from Saturday to Sunday and we've got some mechanisms in place that we believe we are going to cause a lot of them to come back. We're going to have a great day on Easter Sunday. But this is all hands on deck. This is battleship. This isn't cruise ship. Okay? So I'm going to invite you to fill this out and then, and then uh, just put it back in the, uh, at the... Uh, we would call that information desk, the welcome center, as, we're, as you're leaving this morning. And then one of the team leaders will call you and, and, and connect with you so you know exactly what, uh, what, you might, what the next steps are. So, God helps us so we can help others. God places us in strategic places so we can make a difference. God gives us money so he can give it through us. It's not the amount. He gives to each of us different amounts. Some of us it's dollars. Some of it's hundreds. Some of it's, for some of us it may be thousands. For some more. It's not the amount. It's the fact that whatever God gives us, we have the opportunity to give it away. I'm going to invite you to, to prayerfully consider the action step I always close our messages with action with an action step and or with an opportunity for you to give an action step and here it is so what action step will you take this week so that through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit you can be a blessing to someone So here's the deal as if you would come with your team grace Here's the deal if we listen to this message but don't do anything about it specifically I'm not sure it's been all that helpful. The scriptures teach us to not just be hearers of the word, but what? Not just hearers, but doers of the word. So I want to encourage you. Perhaps the action step is I'm going to i be involved in helping make this 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 celebration on Saturday before Easter a huge success. I'm going to invite I've got some kids that live in the neighborhood, maybe in some apartment complexes not far away. Maybe you have a niece, a nephew. And you say, oh, but they live 20 miles away and I'd have to go pick them up. Yeah? Yeah? How many grandparents go pick up their grandkids and take them to a soccer game, to a basketball game? Never think a thing about it. But here's an opportunity for us to invest in their lives. So as as Grace the team sing, I give myself away. I'd like us to think about how we might give ourselves away so that God can use us. Let's listen.